We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 this week. This is day three. We're going to focus on verses five and six today. We're talking about how love acts. To me, this is the center of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. What do I do? And yesterday we began this list. This is what it means to love, to make love a priority in my life. This is how I get beyond all the words and all the suppositions and all the philosophy. This is how I really love. I'm patient, like God is patient with me. God is so patient to forgive. He's so patient in my daily life as he is in yours. I choose to be patient. I choose to be kind as God is kind to me. The kindness of God is what leads us to repentance. The kindness of God is showered upon our lives. And then I decide to be humble as God has been humble. Philippians chapter 2 says, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who humbled himself and became a man and gave him life on a cross. So these attitudes of love that we're talking about, we see them in God's love for us. And I hope yesterday you had an opportunity somewhere to be patient, to be kind, to be humble. I know God gave them. And there may have been a stumble or two in your life. So you just ask God, pick me up again and help me today to be patient, to be kind, to be humble. I'm going to be about that the rest of my life. That's what it means to make love a priority. We're talking about these five exercises of love. Those are the first three of them. There's a fourth one in verses five and six. Let me read those verses. Love is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Be patient, be kind, be humble, and here, be unselfish. That's what it means to love, to be unselfish. Now, let's just think about this for a moment. Is it hard for you to tell when you're being selfish? It is for me. It is for me because when I'm being selfish, I'm focused on myself, not on whether I'm being selfish or not. I'm focused on me getting my needs met. I'm blinded a little bit by my selfishness. If I could get outside of it enough to see that I was being selfish, I would stop being selfish. But because I'm so into it, so into me and what I need, I'm blinded. Well, here's a list. I don't know of a better list of the signs of selfishness in our lives. So when I see these things happening, I realize, ah, oh, I don't know what's going on, but there is some selfishness in my life. Some of them are obvious here. Some of them maybe not so obvious. Here's the list. Are you being rude? If you find yourself being rude to others, I don't have time for you. I don't have a minute for you. I got to rush on to the next thing. You're struggling with selfishness. Are you self-seeking? That's an obvious one. Self-seeking, am I a person who in this moment is wanting only what I want and I'm not thinking about what anybody else needs in this moment? Are you easily angered? One of the great signs of selfishness I've seen in my own life, my own heart, is this irritation, this being easily angered. I realize it could be tiredness, by the way, that causes you to be irritated, but sometimes our tiredness brings out our selfishness. We don't hold it quite as much in check. Because I feel tired, I feel somehow entitled. Entitled for you to meet my need now rather than me having to look at other people's needs. And when I find myself easily irritated, easily angered, the anger might come out, it might explode out, or you might be a person who always hides your anger. Nobody else knows about it, but you feel the irritation level rising in your life. When you're easily angered, it's a huge sign of selfishness in your life. Another sign of selfishness in these verses is keeping a record of wrongs. You see that you're being selfish when you keep adding to the list. Oh, here's another one. Here's another one. Here's another one that you did. 
And when that list gets longer and longer and you remember back to what they did before and what they did before, that's a sign of selfishness. These are warning signs that I am focusing on myself. These are warning signs that tell me I've got to get back to centering on Christ. Now, many people have questions about these verses as they read through them. Keeps no record of wrongs. That means I can never remember something wrong somebody did to me. Maybe, maybe they hurt me physically and I'd have to protect myself from that. That's not what this is talking about. This is not talking about protecting yourself from the harm that somebody else has done. That's as obvious as anything from other scriptures. And we'll talk about that a little bit more even later this week because I think this is so important to understand. But for today, we're talking about counting up sins, counting up unforgiveness, holding unforgiveness in your heart. The idea of keeping a record of wrongs, that's an accounting term, and I'm counting up those sins. The only way to deal with selfishness is by choosing to be unselfish. You can't deal with selfishness by choosing to be nothing. You've got to counter it with the positive alternative, choosing against selfishness by being unselfish, one day at a time, one action at a time. So how do I choose against these actions? How do I choose against rudeness? Well, instead, I act with grace towards the person. That's what you do. Instead of acting rude, when you're tempted to act rude, you decide to act with grace towards that other person. How do I choose against self-seeking? Well, instead of insisting on my rights, I stand up for somebody else's rights. Instead of thinking only about my need being met in the moment, I think about who else in this room needs their need met. I found in my own life, when I'm tired, when I'm feeling selfish, one of the most encouraging and empowering things I can do is to stop thinking about my need and think about someone else's. If I'm feeling discouraged, it's easy to get caught up in that discouragement and selfishly go down the road of self-pity. But if instead of that, I begin to think, I'm feeling discouraged. Maybe there's someone else in my life that's feeling discouraged. How could I encourage them? All of a sudden, not only have I encouraged them, but I've done something that usually brings me out of my discouragement. It's not self-seeking. Self-seeking is a road to greater and greater despair. It's not easily angered. So when I feel like I'm easily irritated in those moments, anger often comes after not getting what I want, I realize, hey, I'm focused on what I want right now, and I begin to wonder, what is it that other people need? Not just what I want, what do other people need, and how can I meet one of those needs? It keeps no record of wrongs. As I said earlier, that's a bookkeeping term, entering wrongs on a mental ledger. How do I combat that? Well, I keep a record of praises. I keep a record of good things that God is doing. Maybe through that person that I was thinking about, or maybe even you needed to turn to somebody else. You may not have much of a relationship with that person. The only thing they've done is wrong in your life, at least the way you're thinking about it, or certainly because anybody else would see it that way. So what do you do? You think about some praise that you have in your life. And then verse 6 says, Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It does not rejoice in evil. It never enjoys or takes pleasure in the wrong. It's never glad when others go wrong, but instead it rejoices in the truth. It's always glad when the truth prevails. There's something about us sometimes, the way we're wired as human beings, we love it when something goes wrong for somebody else. It makes us feel better about ourselves. And you start to, you start to take that diet you start to eat that diet, you start to eat that plate every day of your life, and you're eating poison into your own soul. 
If you take pleasure in wrong, it does something wrong to you. If you delight when something bad happens to others to make yourself feel better about yourself, the end of that road is you feel worse and worse about this world. So instead of that, you make the opposite choice. And Paul says here, here's the opposite choice with that one. You rejoice in the truth. You look for some truth to rejoice in. You look for some true thing that God is doing in your life and in other people's lives. So how do I combat this idea, not this idea, this temptation to be selfish in my everyday life? I've got to do the positive alternative. I've got to do the positive faith step. Instead of being rude, grace. Instead of self-seeking, I look at other people's needs. Instead of anger, I love. Instead of record of wrongs, record of praise. Instead of delighting in evil, I rejoice with the truth. Jesus, as we pray today, we admit our own tendency to be selfish, to focus on ourselves. And uh, when, as right now, the world is swirling around us with changes and challenges, uh, we're especially tempted to focus only on ourselves. But God, we know when we do that, our hearts grow cold and they grow distant, and we don't want that. So we pray that you would cause our hearts to focus on you and the love that you have for us. And right now, we choose to focus on the truth, the truth that you love us, the truth that you can love through us. We choose to focus on the truth of the good that you're doing in other people's lives, even as we're facing shortages and challenges around us. We choose to focus on the truth of the fact that you will carry us through this because you've carried us through everything and that you're our rock to stand on. We focus on that truth together. In Jesus' name, amen. Tomorrow, one final verse on the character qualities of love. <laughs>